0: first chapter. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols. But I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love. Because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. And you have not delivered me into the hand of my enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow, and my years with sign. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries I have, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me, I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O oh Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolent against the righteous in pride and contempt. O oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, and worked for those who take refuge in you, and the sight of the children of mankind, in the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for He has wondrously shown His steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, "I am cut off from your sight," but you heard the voice of my pleas for my mercy, for for mercy, when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you as saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. It's actually a very peculiar phrase, if you really think about it. Into your, get this, into your hands, into your hands I commit myself. But what does it exactly mean to commit yourself into someone's hands? Yes, what does it mean to commit yourself into someone's hands? To commit yourself into the hands of another is to place, yes, to place your life under someone else's care, under their protection put yourself in someone else's hands, you are entrusting your life, your whole very being to them, knowing that they won't drop you, knowing that they will not let you down. However, doing this often involves great emotional investment, a great emotional investment, a willingness to be vulnerable. For example, people may put their lives into the hands of various individuals, such as a spouse, a family member, a friend, a professional, maybe perhaps a doctor or a lawyer, or a financial advisor. The reason for doing so may vary, but they often stem from the desire to have support, from the desire for support and guidance and expertise in navigating a complex or threatening situation itself. Putting your life into someone else's hands can be both liberating and challenging. It can provide a sense of security and comfort. At the same time, it requires a willingness to accept the other person's decision. As they say, though, you cannot have your cake or eat it too. But there's another dimension to all of this. We have to acknowledge that in life, there are people who set hidden traps against us. Traps to ensnare you. That is right. There are people who will plot ways to ruin you, and they will do this behind locked doors. Their goal is to take you into their hands, but these hands that they want to take you into are not hands of security, not hands of provision, not hands of kindness, but hands that are malicious, hands of ruin. Take a reading from Psalm 31 as an example this evening. In Psalm 31, we read about David, King David, his distress and his persecution when the forces of Saul were pursuing him. that is to say, David describes his enemies as scheming against him, seeking him harm, causing him to feel overwhelmed and abandoned. Indeed, these enemies... Take no doubt about it. No doubt about it. These enemies, they were plotting to hurt David. They were not frenemies. They were not good guys. They were people set out, hell-bent to destroy him, seeking his life, to take his life, and to ruin, ruin his reputation. Their hands were full of deceit and scheming and malicious intent. And their tongues, to boot? Their tongues were poisoned with slander and lies. Now, it's important to know that there will always be, there will always be enemies in this life. We have to recognize that fact tonight. There will always be enemies in this life. You know, they say that death and taxes are two certainties in life. Perhaps death for sure may be taxes. That might be a possibility of not. But nonetheless, death and taxes are two certainties in life that are inevitable for everyone. However, having an enemy is also a certainty. Seriously, consider this for a moment. When has there been a time, when has there been a moment in your life when you have not had an enemy in your life, personally speaking? When has there ever been a time in your life when your family or perhaps your church or your political party in your country did not have an enemy? Consider the United States as an example. We have been in a state of conflict. Mark this, we've been in a state of conflict and war for the majority of our existence as a country. The only time that the United States really did not have a major conflict or a major war was from the end of the Cold War in 1991 to the beginning of the War on Terror in 2001. That is right. We've had only 10 years of peace in our 246 years of existence as a country. So, What shall we do about the fact that we have enemies? It is a fact, a matter. Obviously, there's a time and a place where we engage enemies, no doubt about it, where we fight and we push back against enemies. When that happens, we must make sure that our reasons for such a war are just, that are righteous. However, more often than not, the fact remains that in life, you and I have absolutely no remedy, no recourse against our enemies. We're often powerless. You see, even though we do not like to hear it, most of the time in this life, we do not have the power or the ability to do away with our enemies or to stop their plotting, to stop their scheming to stop their slandering, no matter how much we try. Frankly, if we did have the power to do away with our enemies. Once one enemy is chopped down, another enemy will quickly pop up. As a friend told me recently, (laughs) as a friend recently told me, he said enemies are like a -a whack-a-mole game. Yes, a -a whack-a-mole game. You know the game where the toy mole pops its head out, and then you take this padded mallet and you beat them on the head to force them into submission back down that hole and once you celebrate getting that mole down the hole then another one (laughs) pops up with a grin on its face and you have to knock that one down and over and over and over it's the same over and over and the same is with your enemies if you eliminate one enemy with force another one will quickly take the spot and so the point being there's no shortage of enemies in this life because there's no shortage Yeah, there's no shortage of sin in all of us. Where you find sin, you find conflict. And where you find conflict, you have enemies. And so the point is this. You will suffer from enemies, perhaps, your whole life. And like King David, many times you will be powerless to overcome your enemies. All of this then leads to the reality that you and I we suffer in this life, as we've covered. We suffer in this veil of tears. We suffer in this life at the hands of our enemies. They're plotting, they're scheming, they're slander, and so forth. It is a certainty that we will often not be able to calm our enemies and cannot remedy it. So yes, we cannot remedy it. So, ta-da, that's the good news, right? That's the way it is. So where do we go from here? How do we function? How do we, yeah, How do we suffer as Christians? in the midst of this suffering. Perhaps, my friends, the overarching theme of these midweek Lent sermons on the topic of suffering has not been to give you pointers on how to reduce or overcome the pain of suffering, but instead to acknowledge the reality of suffering and to point and to show you how to endure through the suffering in this life You see, dear friends, as a pastor to you, I would be misleading you and deceiving you if I stood up here claiming that you can be completely free from suffering in this life. I would be a fake. I'd be a fake if I claimed to have some sort of secret in my back pocket to escape suffering. You see, spiritual gurus, yes, spiritual gurus who claim that they have a magic recipe for living a life free of suffering while they're charlatans, they're imposters. They're frauds. A life of ease that is completely free from suffering is a myth. It belongs with stories about unicorns and leprechauns. And so, what does Psalm 31 say to you and me about the certainty of suffering that we have in this life? What does Psalm 31 say to you and me with the certainty of suffering from our enemies, enemies that surround us? Simply stated, this is so good. Our psalmist tells us, the Lord is your rock. Hear that he is your rock, and he is your strong fortress. Whom shall you fear? In other words, the image of a rock is quite fitting. Back in the time of David, in the land of David, there were many elevated rocks on the landscape. These elevated rocks, they were high above the land, oftentimes having caves themselves. And so people would run to these elevated rocks for safety from enemies. The rocks would prop them up high above their enemies, while at the same time providing shelter for them in caves from the rash and the harsh elements. These raised rocks, these fortresses, they functioned as the high ground, if you will.
1: And so David is saying
0: is saying to us this evening that the Lord is your rock and your fortress among your enemies. And so since you have a rock, and since you have a fortress, which is your God, you and I can commit ourselves, uh, we can freely commit ourselves to the hands of the Lord. And so consider this a bit more, baptized saints. Your Jesus is like a rock and a fortress for you, because at that cross... Jesus' nailed-marked hands accomplished victory over sin, death, and the devil for you. Furthermore, as Jesus committed his spirit to the hands of the Father, the Father raised Christ from the dead. And so, if your God is a strong fortress and his hands provide security and assurance and hope for you, what else do you have to fear? What enemy do you have to fear? Indeed, if your Lord is your helper, you shall not fear. What can a mere tiny little mortal due to you. Furthermore, if your enemies slander you, let's just be honest, who cares? If your enemies slander you, who cares? Right? Who cares what your enemies say, for you do not belong to their hands. That's the whole purpose. You do not belong to your hands, so what they say does not matter. You are not in their nets But at the same time, there's a part of us and a part of me that wants to lash out and fight back. But dear friends, only prey caught in a net, fight back. Only prey in a net, squirm. Only people who are overpowered by another, squirm. You, though, you do not belong to the hands of your enemies. You do not belong to another. You belong to Christ. And so it does not matter what your enemy says about you, how they slander you, how they gossip behind your back, for they do not possess you. Their words are meaningless. Because you belong to Christ and are sealed and marked with the sign of the cross, none of the empty threats, none of the empty threats and the babbling gossip matter. Your enemy is not your God. And their shame is not the final word. Full stop, period. Now for the times when you and I are threatened, or attacked, or pressed in on every side, know this, do not be bluffed into silence or fear your enemies. There is nothing that they can do to your soul, to your core being, your identity in Christ. You see, we save our fear for God who holds our entire life, body and soul, now and into eternity itself, as he holds us in his hands. Indeed, baptized saints, never forget, you shall fear no man, for you reserve your fear, love and trust for the Lord, the one who bled and died and rose for you yet again. And so, even though you may have ongoing suffering from your enemies in this life, the fact of the matter is you are free in Jesus. You have a strong fortress. His name is Christ Almighty, the one who rose from the dead. You have been placed in the powerful, nail-marked hands of the Lord amid your suffering. Indeed, you have a rescue. You have love. You have an assurance. You have truth from Christ Almighty, despite yeah, despite the insolent contempt and babbling of your enemies. And your enemies, mark this, the Lord will have vengeance. The Lord will have vengeance in his time. And when he chooses to do so, you can take that to the bank. Baptized saints, trust in the Lord, not yourselves, and certainly not in your enemies. God will certainly take care of you, and he will deal with the arrogant. And so be strong, be brave. Do not give up or give in to your enemies. Do not give in to the threats Turn a deaf ear to what they say. Remember, you have a firm rock. His name is Christ. He is a mighty fortress for you, and we abide by His word. We're captive to His word and what He says to us. In the name of Jesus, and by the hands of Christ Almighty, you are secure. Amen. Strong word be, speaks us righteous, bright with own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org